Welcome to Earl Stewart on Cars with Earl and Nancy Stewart. Reach them with your questions at 877-960-9960. Here's Earl and Nancy. Good morning, everybody. Very exciting morning here. We're just getting more and more high-tech. Before I get into the high-tech thing, i got to tell you who we are. Uh, my name is Earl. I'm a recovering car dealer. And uh, this show is all about cars. This is on the True Oldie Station channel. And I know all you folks are regulars listening to that music of the 60s and 70s. Extremely good music, by the way. Uh, but this is a talk show. This is an exciting, real live radio talk show. And uh, we do something unique. I know every talk show says this. Every radio show probably says this. But we are truly unique. We are a consumer advocacy show about how not to get ripped off by your car dealer. Now, if you are in the car buying business for the past uh, whatever number of years, you likely have had a very, very bad experience buying or leasing a car, repairing or maintaining a car also. So, you know what I'm talking about. Um, This show exists to help guide you through the minefield of buying and leasing, maintaining and repairing your car. And uh, who am I? My name is Earl. I call myself a recovering car dealer because I've been in this business for almost half a century. I've uh, been a car dealer since 1968, and I've evolved. I went from a knock'em, rock'em, and sock'em, bait-and-switch guy doing everything that most of the car dealers are now doing uh, to, to what I do now. I'm a consumer advocate. I'm an advisor. And I've gathered a, a group of folks, and we're sitting here in the radio uh, uh, studio here at the True Oldies channel. I've got uh, Rick Kearney on my right. Rick Kearney is a technician. He works for me now. been with me for more than 20 years. Uh, he, we call him an auto computer scientist, really. Uh, back in the day, they would call a guy like Rick a mechanic, and then so they, they started calling him a technician. And now they're really... Uh, they are really highly educated, trained um, computer scientists. Your car is a rolling computer. So Rick is here to help you about the maintaining and leasing part of the car quandary out there. Where do you go to uh, find an honest mechanic? Where do you go to get a fair price on a vehicle? What, what should you do when you bring your car in for service? Should you do what the dealer recommends? Um, should you uh, use an independent mechanic? Or should you use the car dealer? A lot of questions. We all have those. And, of course, Nancy Stewart is sitting to uh, Rick's right. Nancy Stewart is our female advocate. Uh, She's the recovering car dealer's wife. Uh, She is a very, very passionate advocate for women. I mean, we're looking at the hashtag MeToo movement today. Women are becoming more and more aware of the fact that they have been considered second-class citizens for a long time. Big headline the other day uh, in uh, Saudi Arabia, women can drive. Wow. Let's yes, hear a I round heard. of applause. They're going to they're let their that. women drive a car. I heard I mean, it it's yesterday. hard to believe, right? Uh, actually, that's all they can do. They can drive a car. They, can't, they won't let them do anything else. But, you know, we say, well, this is the United States of America. That's not going to happen here. They've come a long way. They have. Well, you see got the handman's tale? What was that? Did you see The Handmaid's Tale yet? No. no. It might happen here. Okay. You never know. So that's what Nancy does. And Nancy is, uh, she's reading up on all the progress that women are making. She's reading up on, we're coming uh, to the radio studio this morning, and she was uh, reading an article in the Palm Beach Business Review uh, that stated that 
19% of employees of car dealerships are women, and virtually all of those are in the accounting department. So you won't find any in the service department, the parts department, uh, very few in the sales department. And she's got a great story she'll share with you later. Yeah, that's quite a it's, it's quite a teaser, so ladies, uh, stay tuned for that. And everyone, stay tuned for that. And uh, excuse me for interrupting you. Uh, you have just tuned in to uh, Earl Stewart on Cars, and uh, you can be part of the show. So you give us a call with any of your stories. We're right here at 877-960-9960. Or if you're a little shy, you can text us, and you can do so by call, by texting Eight seven, excuse me, seven seven two, four nine seven six five three zero. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Well, I got around the table up to my son, uh, Earl Douglas Stewart the third. We Thank also you. we also call him Stu. <coughs> Stu is a very important part of this uh, broadcast. Not only is he general manager of my car dealership. In full disclosure, I've got to tell you, I'm still a practicing car dealer. I guess one of the motivations for me in doing what I'm doing is I would like my legacy not to be one of evil. Evil, yeah. (laughs) You were, I mean, when they speak of me years hence and they say he was one of those car dealers, I don't want, I don't want to be remembered that way. I want to be remembered as a car dealer who saw the light. And that's the reason I call myself a recovering car dealer. Stu handles our cyber function. Stu is a guy that can really uh, reach the millennials and a lot of old guys like me that have kind of joined the cyber revolution, the digital age, whatever you want to call it. He's Instagramming, he's Facebooking, he's Snapchatting, he's uh, uh, you name it, he's doing it. He's getting the word in the cyber world. He's tweeting, Nancy. Ah. Tina's calling. We have a Good call. morning, Tina. Tina. Welcome to the show. Everyone knows that Tina is from Bonita Springs. What can we do for you? And what kind of information do you have to share with us? <laughs> you always have something well, interesting. Good morning, everybody. I don't know if it's necessarily information, but I think that there's a subject that hasn't been discussed for quite a while that needs to be discussed because there's a lot of misunderstanding about it, and that's Florida's lemon law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people people don't really know how it works. I was looking it up online because I didn't really understand it myself. But this pretty much applies to new cars and used cars. And you guys can chime in any time. Not used cars, but new cars and lease cars. And you guys can chime in at any time and correct me. But it's my understanding that if you buy a new car or lease a new car and you have significant problems within a 30-day period, if they're not fixed within that time period, that you have the right to either get another vehicle or get reimbursed for the vehicle that you purchased. I, that's that's simplifying it way too much, but yeah, that's uh, my that's the basic gist. Well, Tina, that's uh, the reason I love you so much is because you come up with great questions. I'm not just saying that. You know, in interviews they always say that. Hey, that was a great question. Well, the fact is, Tina does ask great questions and, and bring up interesting points. The lemon law. Uh, I happen to know and be consider myself a friend of the woman who uh, started Lemon Laws. Her name is Rosemary Cheyenne, and she operates a consumer group in California, an amazing woman. Uh, I've been collaborating with her for years, and she uh, designed the original Lemon Law. 
And that was something. Oh, wow. To, yeah. Uh, something to protect new car buyers all over. Now, it started out in California. Every lemon law is different in each state. So if you're a Floridian, you want to familiarize yourselves, obviously, with those lemon laws. I can speak to the Florida lemon law. I can't speak to the Idaho or the Massachusetts lemon laws. But uh, we're reaching the whole world now. So if you're in the United States, check out Google lemon law in your state, and it'll tell you what your rights are. In Florida, Tina pretty well had it. It's only on new cars. And the lemon law is set to protect someone that went and signed on the dotted line and got, them a, got themselves a car of some brand that can't be fixed. And so the law says if you bought a new car and the dealer or the manufacturer or both together cannot fix the car, then you don't get, have to keep the car. You get your money back. Now, you don't get all your money back. Uh, you get your money back based on the usage of the car. So if you've had the car for six months, or a year, or whatever the period of time may be, the lemon law has to be while the car is under new car warranty, I believe. Is that right, Stu? I believe that's right. Yeah. And uh, you have to go on record. It's hard for the consumer, and you need to know the rules before you start, because you just can't go into a car dealership and say, hey, I got a lemon, I'm invoking the lemon law, give me another car, or give me my money back. won't do that. The first thing you have to do is you have to go on record of advising the car dealership of the lemon law. And you do that by a certified return receipt letter. You have to write the letter, state exactly what the problem was, and say, I'm invoking the lemon law. Now, once you've invoked the lemon law, the dealer and the manufacturer have a certain number of tries that they can to fix it. I'm believing the the number is three. And uh, if they can't fix the car in three tries then you go to an arbitration board in Florida it's administered by the Better Business Bureau and so the manufacturer sends a representative in and then of course uh, uh, you're there and the Better Business Bureau is the arbitrator they hear your side of the story and they hear the manufacturer's side of the story now interesting thing is the lemon law is against the manufacturer it's not against the dealer the dealer has no penalty to pay. The dealer tried to fix the car and he couldn't fix it. Chances are by the time the third repair attempt came up, the manufacturer was working on the car too because they don't like the idea of lemon laws. Then uh, the manufacturer is the one that suffers the embarrassment and the expense. The dealer gets off scot-free. And uh, sometimes that's maybe that's the way it should be. Manufacturer built the car, and under their supervision, if the dealer can't fix it, and when he can't, manufacturer can't fix it with their own technician, then you know that they're at fault. Now you get, let's say you've, you've used a car for one year, you're going to get something like 70 uh, percent of your money back, or 65, or some percentage of your money back, because they do charge you for the amount of time that you're able to use the car. You don't get 100 percent back. The interesting thing is what happens to those cars? The manufacturer buys it back. I can tell you this, they don't scrap them. Uh, I believe they end up going through auto auctions. Some car dealer buys it, and they sell it back to you again. So that's the story of the lemon law. I hope I didn't go on too long, Tina, but I wanted to be sure I didn't. Oh, no, not at all. No. And you're right. But if a lemon lemon law car car is recirculated into uh, retail sales again, to me that should be... That should be against the law. That car should be parted out, whatever, scrapped. It should not be resold to some other somebody else. That's that's me wrong. 
Yeah. It, it is yeah. amazing. And, and I think it has to be on the title. Stu, correct me if I'm wrong yes. there. So the, this is reason. It will be a used car, obviously, because it's been titled. So you want to be sure when you buy a car. You, a CarMax report would show that up. It would be on your title. And if the car had been under the Lemon Law, that's a red flag. You know, find out what it is. That means they didn't fix it. I wouldn't buy a car. In fact, I'm not even sure why they allowed them to sell cars <coughs> that could not be fixed under the limit law. Well, they, they actually do eventually fix them before they sell them. But what they generally wind up having to do is take them back to the, basically for Toyota, they would go back to the port where they have the engineers, the guys that have had years of training on actually designing and building them. Mm. And they get more engineers from Toyota involved to find out what went wrong and what they need to do to correct it. Mm. And quite often, they wind up, instead of selling those cars, they'll actually send those off to trade schools or to Toyota training centers and use those cars as demo cars mm. that they can disassemble and put back well, together over and over. Yeah, well, you're speaking for Toyota, and that may yeah, be the and, policy with and all I, manufacturers. And I bet a lot of others do that, yeah. too. I, my question uh, to that would be, it's the arbitration board or the Better Business Bureau says the car doesn't isn't fixed. Now, do the do these uh, go back to the arbitration board so they can rerule and withdraw their other ruling? I don't know who makes the decision the car has been fixed. I don't mm. know, but I just can't imagine they'd pour a whole lot of money into a car that they have they just bought back, lost yeah. money on, and they're yeah. gonna, I don't see it that many resources going to fix that car. Yeah. But maybe, like uh, Rick said, for training, maybe that's something. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or the engineers will want to find out what happened so they can be ready to correct yeah. it on future problems. Well, that's good for the manufacturer, but I'm still going to maintain don't buy a car that has lemon law on it. No. It no. would be well, – there's too many cars out there that haven't been through the lemon law. Nancy? And, Tina, uh, as you can hear from Rick and Earl, boy, I'll tell you what, it really gets complicated. And uh, – you know yeah. the manufacturer. Uh, the manufacturer is uh, is extremely important. It'd be a lot of time that you would have to put into the lemon law. And uh, if you want to learn more, uh, Earl, if uh, my memory serves me, uh, he wrote an article, uh, and uh, it is about the lemon law. So you can take a look at that at uh, Earl on Cars. So uh, that was a yeah. great question. Thank you. And the way, and I know the way that it is structured. It's structured in such a way that you can't abuse it. I mean, you can't just come in after having your car repaired once or twice and say, like Earl said, you can't just show your weight around in the dealership and say, I hate this car, I don't want it, mm-hmm. I want my money back. It's not that simple no. of a process you have to go through. Yes. And in some cases, if the dealership is not agreeable or, or amenable to your, claim, to your complaints, you might want a lawyer up. You might want to find a good attorney to help you through the process. Yeah, like and I said, it gets complicated. Yeah. One other and thing to consider, uh, though, note they, they do. Once once you begin the Lemon Law proceedings, uh, basically mm-hmm. the manufacturer tells the dealer to stop talking to the customer. Mm-hmm. So if you have a dealer that you can trust that's yeah. working to help you, that kind of gets cut off once that starts, and that's unfortunate. And But fortunately, not that many dealers are that willing to help. But. Mm-hmm. Good point. Very yeah. good point. And I was also reading something about a class action lawsuit regarding the Lemon Law. Uh, the Ford Focus 2015-2016, if anybody out there listening has a Ford Focus 2015-2016, uh, there is a major class action lawsuit regarding those vehicles. So I would suggest Googling that, and if you want to jump on the bandwagon, bandwagon please do. 
but those two particular cars are really, really unreliable and have been fraught with problems. And I know a lot of people love the Focus, but it's something to be aware of if you have those vehicles. Great advice, Tina. Thank you very much. As usual, thank you very much, Tina. And uh, we hope to hear from you again. Okay, guys. Have a great morning. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, as a reminder, ladies, I have $50 for each one of you, first two female callers. So give us a call. Share your story, 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And we have another caller, Paul, who's calling from Royal Palm Beach. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great show, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Just, just a comment. Um, I find automobile shopping one of the most distasteful things that I've ever done. Mm-hmm. However... And it kind of ties in several times on your show. You mentioned uh, we need more female salespeople. Well, I purchased a car at your dealership from a female, and it was the only tasteful car buying experience that I ever had. Well, thank you. Thank you. We uh, we appreciate and, that. We and statistically, they find that women prefer to deal with other women when they purchase a car. But strangely enough, men also prefer to deal with women. So it's almost like, why do we have male salespeople? Uh, the car dealerships would probably do all do a lot better if they had all female staff. Probably. <laughs> and then a comment: When are you going to change the name of your show from "Recovering" to "Recovered"? <laughs> You know, there's a Japanese word, uh, Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, Kaizen, and uh, it stands for continuous improvement, so I'm never going to recover. I thought I I was going to recover in a couple of years, and then... As I as time goes by, I mean, I and I'm saying this isn't tongue in cheek. This is actually true. Every time I think I'm getting close, I realize I got a ways to go. So. Uh, I hope that applies. That's a, that's a, um, uh, I guess, kind of a uh, symbol for, for civilization, right? We all think we're smart, and if you go back a thousand years, man thought he had all the answers, and that's good. It goes down to individuals. So I love being recovering. It's fun. I hate people who think they've recovered, because I think that's a, a misstatement. I don't think humans can ever fully recover. Paul. Okay, thank you for your time. Okay, oh, thank Paul. you for the call. Paul, thanks for call. recognizing uh, our continuous improvement, and give us a call again. Thank you again. Thank you. Okay. I think Nancy has a phone call. <laughs> you need to take that, Nancy. We, we, we can put show on hold for a few moments there if you need to. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you, Stu. Uh, give us a call toll-free at 8... 8- Seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty, 9960 And again, you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. Yeah, Tina, our first caller this morning, was talking about the lemon lawn. And uh, I, I want to give this advice to you folks out there on the lemon law. It's a, when you actually invoke the lemon law, um, you actually sometimes end up getting less out of it than by using the lemon law to intimidate. I know, I mean, that's a 
nasty word I have to use, but uh, sometimes you just have to slap the dealer in the face to get his attention. <clears throat> so if you're dealing with a dealer that can't fix your car, and Stu alluded to this earlier, when you officially evoke the Lemon Law, communications are cut off between you and the car dealer because the manufacturer will tell the car dealer, and the manufacturer has a contractual arrangement with the dealer, so basically the manufacturer can tell the dealer what to do. The manufacturer will say to the dealer, you can't talk to this customer anymore, so even if he wanted to help you and really tried to want to fix your car, uh, he's prohibited from doing so. So, you've got a car, a new car, and the dealer can't fix it. My first advice would be to try another dealer, maybe even another dealer after that. Sometimes dealers just, you know, one dealer is less competent than another dealer. But when you really start to get worried and you think that none of the dealers in your market can fix your car, then you can use the manufacturer. You can go to the manufacturer directly and say, look, <clears throat> I'm at my wit's end. I don't want to have to invoke the lemon law. I don't want to have to hire an attorney. Please help this dealer fix my car. They'll get a technician on an airplane. They'll put a Rick Kearney on an airplane, a guy that really knows what he's doing, fly him in to the car dealership, and there the, probably the most knowledgeable technician ever will look at your car and probably fix it. And so the threat of a lemon law is far more effective than the actual invoking of the lemon law. That's the point I want to make on in, in terms of lemon law. And remember, lemon laws vary from state to state. I keep forgetting mm. that we are going worldwide now. Very so good in point. the state of Florida, I'm conversant with it. But there are lemon laws in all 50 states. Okay, uh, great information. We're going to go to our next caller, and that's Tom, who's calling from Stewart. Welcome to the show. Hey, How you good doing? morning. How are you? Oh, we're great, Tom. How you doing? Good. I just started listening to your show on Saturday mornings. I think it's great. Oh, great. I have a question about the uh, airbags. There was a recall on the airbags, which was taken care of by the deal. Fine. Uh, but there's supposed to be, again, a class action suit against whomever. Do you have any knowledge of that at all? Uh, there's, I think there's probably more than one class action suit. Tom, I don't know the specific one to which you refer. Uh, this There should be a lot of class action suits. Uh, I'm surprised that the attorneys are sitting on their hands here. Uh, this whole thing with the airbag recall and repairing cars with defective airbags, and if you think you misunderstood me, I'll repeat that. Cars are being repaired with airbags that are still defective. Uh, the only reason they use them is because they have no other airbag to do the repairs with. So uh, <coughs> the law is being violated as we speak. There is a there is a federal law that says that sellers of products cannot sell a dangerous product. I mean, that's no big surprise, right? But there right. is a law that says nobody. I can't sell you a TV set. I can't sell you a flashlight. <coughs> I can't sell you a car if it's dangerous. Now, if I sell you a car with a recalled Takata airbag, how could that not be a dangerous product? So the laws are being... Uh, violated. The only reason there isn't more hue and cry about this is because of the power of the auto manufacturing lobbyists, the car dealer lobbyists, the car association lobbyists. So 
Um, Tom, <clears throat> I'm glad to hear there's a class action suit. I think we need more and more of them uh, to finally get somebody's attention. Uh, well, I actually got a letter from Mazda and mm-hmm. listed all the cars that, uh, that had the airbags. But again, it was supposed to be connected with a class action and they talked about money and millions of dollars and everything. Mm-hmm. Where does that money go besides for the attorneys? Where's the money going? Is it coming back to the consumer? No, unfortunately, <clears throat> the value of a class action suit to the consumer is really to get everybody's attention. Because, unfortunately, consumers get very little. Uh, the way it works out is the, uh, the settlement is in the hundreds of millions of dollars in a big national class action suit. The attorneys get a big piece of that, 30, 40, 50 percent. And then the rest of it, after cost, and the costs are huge too, so after the attorneys get paid and the, and the costs are paid, then the rest of it trickles down to the uh, consumer. Unfortunately, there's millions of consumers. So if you have $100 million and you have 100 million consumers, everybody gets a buck. So that's the problem. But the threat is to the manufacturer. If uh, they're going after Mazda, Mazda is terrified with the idea that this could be a huge hit against them. The money comes out of the manufacturer's pocket. So, yeah, it's uh, uh, part of the problems that the lawyers have with class action suits is the apathy of the consumer because most consumers realize they're not going to benefit very much from this. Uh, but they are going to get the manufacturer's attention. And that's the reason I like the idea of more and more class action suits against the manufacturers on these airbag problems. Well, disappointed I'm not getting any money back. I, I plan on taking my wife to Longhorn tonight. Mm-hmm. But, uh, hey, thanks for the information. I really <laughs> appreciate it. I'm going to listen to you next Saturday morning. Oh, thank you. Thank enjoy, you, Tom. Enjoy your dinner. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, I think we... No, I I thought we had another caller. We don't. But let me remind you, just a little reminder, uh, that... uh, Oh, we do have a caller. We have a caller from uh, Boca Raton, and that's Doug. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, you guys. Uh, Ollie is watching, too. (laughs) Oh. Hey, Ollie. Ollie. Good morning, Ollie. (laughs) Meow. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie and Doug are members of uh, our Sunrise Club. Yes. <laughs> That's another show. Yes, really. <laughs> oh, we're so excited to hear from you, Doug. Okay, well, Ollie doesn't drive. That's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question, and you probably can't answer it. Um, so so if, I wanted, if I wanted to go to a dealership and find out if they're reputable or good, um, how could I find that out without having to spend two hours there trying to get a, a lease car? Um, Doug, that's, that's a great question, and uh, it's so difficult. Um, there's dealer ratings. There are you know Google ratings and Yelp ratings. Uh, there's something called Dealer Rater. Uh, you Google and find out what the ratings are. The problem with that is... The dealers have learned to manipulate the ratings. used to be that Google was really uh, a great rating service because it was accurate. Uh, They would enforce it if they found out that businesses, including car dealers, were manipulating the ratings. They would wipe out their ratings and take them off the Google rating. But there have been such sophisticated ways to... uh, 
to manipulate the ratings, even very subtly, uh, that you really can't count on them. Now, there is some validity to the Google ratings today, and I would still put some. Uh, if you if you have a uh, dealer that's got a very low Google rating, he's too stupid to know that he can manipulate it. <laughs> so that's an indicator of lots of other problems. Not only <laughs> is he bad, <laughs> but he's stupid. But uh, if you see a, if you see a dealer with a four star Google rating, that might mean he's a good de- dealer. It, it definitely means he's probably not stupid because he cares about his ratings. Um, <laughs> yeah, we read a New York Times article recently that said when you're looking at online reviews, tr- try and look at the three-star. The, don't look at like mm-hmm. the five-star reviews or the one-star yeah. reviews. Usually that's been influenced in some way. Yeah. Uh, the, the ones, the, the average one, the three-star reviews, and, and read the comments, and that might give you a better idea what kind of deal that's, they That's are. an excellent point, yes. and I should have <laughs> said that. You, uh, you find out that... Uh, if you're manipulating, you're going to, you're looking for five stars, and so you go for the five star reviews, and they're they're just cosmetic. If someone's really really mad at you, they might even be unreasonable, so they'll give you one star. Uh, the thoughtful reviews are typically the three star, and to read the read the review, just don't look at the stars. Go through and read the reviews, and read the three star yeah. reviews. Look for you, patterns. Yeah. If you see the same complaint over and over again, exactly. there's a good chance that's a real that's really happening. And you can also find good salespeople. They'll, they'll name the good salespeople, too. And I have one more question. I had gotten a car, and um, the tires that were on there um, were all-season tires. And I noticed in the rain that they they were not very good. So I complained to the dealership. They said, there's nothing they can do. I called the uh, manufacturer nothing they could do. I called both Hondas, Honda USA and Honda Canada, mm-hmm. and they said, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Mm-hmm. So, in the rain, these, these tires tend to, to not grip very well. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're all season tires, but when I looked at the tires, they were, were actually used for um, like up, in, up north when, when it snowed mm-hmm. for traction. Mm-hmm. So I, I told the dealership that that these tires, right, are actually meant for the Northeast mm-hmm. for snowy conditions. And if you look at the ratings on them, look at a review that they're not good in rain. Yeah, Doug, that's a, an extremely good point. That's a subject I've covered in my blog, uh, EarlOnCars.com. Um, manufacturers design their own tires now. They say a manufacturer tells you, the dealer tells you, you've got a bumper-to-bumper warranty. Well, they don't warranty the tires. The tires are warranted by the tire manufacturer. Now, when the manufacturer comes out with a car they're going to build, a brand, I mean a make model, uh, they design the tires for that model. And your Honda, Honda designed those tires. They gave those tires to the tire manufacturer. Uh, They use a lot of manufacturers, Michelin, Goodrich, uh, Goodyear. And they build the tire, the tire manufacturer builds a tire to the auto manufacturer's specification. You really can't buy that tire. Uh, it might be Michelin, but that particular tire uh, is not sold retail. Uh, originally, it might end up in a retail store somewhere, but they are designed for the manufacturer to enhance the drivability of the car when you buy it. 
Right. So, so my my complaint about these OEM tires that are designed by the car manufacturer, not the auto man, uh, by the uh, not the tire manufacturer, is the fact that they are the, the rubber is designed for a softer ride. The tire is designed for a softer ride. Therefore, the tires wear out too quick. In your case, um, thought never occurred to me. That's the reason I love callers to the show. I hadn't thought about the fact that when they design these. When they des- when they put these tires on the car, are they thinking about the region of the company of the country? My guess is not. They dump, they buy the tires and then they ship them to the dealers based on the way they allocate the cars and and cars who, that are going to Florida may have been originally thought to go to uh, Minneapolis, and therefore you've got a tire that doesn't really fit that particular locale. But <clears throat> I always suggest to people when you replace your tires. You check the tires you want, all weather, winter, uh, whatever you want. And uh, be sure you pay attention to tread wear index and rolling resistance and some other factors that are more important to you than they were to the auto manufacturer. Uh, Rick's looking at me, and he's very knowledgeable about tires. Uh, you got a comment, Rick? Uh, the only ring, real thing I would say is when you're looking for newer tires, um, check consumer reports, but also investigate whether that actual model of tire not just the brand but the model of tire is designed to handle the heavy rains that we get here in florida and make sure that they have an a grade for traction because traction temperature those are rated with a b or c a grade is the best and a is what you want to have on traction and it's weird too because last time i bought one of these cars they had they had the choice of summer tires, which which I got. Okay. And this time there was no choice, so it's kind of like you either want it that way or they they won't do anything. So I thought that was kind of weird. So know? you bought that? Uh, you ordered the the Honda Doug, and they manufactured it for you to spec, or you didn't buy it out of dealer inventory. No, I did get on dealer inventory, and when I looked at the other ones, <clears throat> they all had the same tires. So I said to the dealership, mm-hmm. I said, hey, you used to have summer tires on these Civics, and now you don't offer it. He said, yeah, um, this is just the way they're coming from the manufacturer. Yeah. That's what he said. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the greatest secrets of car dealerships is the fact that the tires are... Uh, designed by the manufacturers, and they really don't have the consumer in mind. Years ago, uh, when Lexus first came out, they really wanted to make people believe, boy, this is really a comfortable ride. So they put uh, the original tires on these Lexus, uh, designed by Lexus, were so soft, they would wear out in like you know 20,000 miles or less. And the head of Lexus at that time was a guy named Jim Press, and he was so uh, much a consumer advocate and realized what he'd done that he basically gave every Lexus owner um, a rebate of something like, at the time, $400 or $500 toward their next set of tires because the tires that Lexus had designed for the new luxury car were so soft they wore out right away. Wow. That's nice. Like I said, I tried all ways, and and they said, uh, well, if you're not happy with the tires, get new ones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's too bad. (laughs) That is really too bad. Here uh, on tires, and it's one of the most least understood, I'm so happy that you asked this question, Doug. 
when you have a problem with a tire, you should go to the dealer that sold you the car, even though the manufacturer warranties the tire. But be sure that the dealer contacts the tire distributor on your behalf. Dealers have more clout. Uh, they deal with tire distributors typically. And so when a dealer calls Firestone or Goodyear for you and says we have a defective tire, you're, you're far more likely to get help and an adjustment in your tire than if you go in by yourself. And uh, they should be able to help you there. But it is ultimately the tire manufacturer and the local tire distributors that are going to have to make that call. Okay. Well, I appreciate you, and I'll uh, see you tomorrow morning. Okay, say meow to Ollie for me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, looking forward to hearing from you uh, tomorrow morning, Doug. Have a great day, and thanks for calling in. We're gonna go. Uh, uh, we're gonna go to Mark, and uh, we all know him. He's calling from the Turnpike. Welcome, Mark. Turnpike, Mark. Hey, how you? How you doing? Great. Um, yeah, one thing I noticed about original tires, they're definitely not the cheapest because they're most frequently sold as one. Sold as new. Mark, Mark say that again. I'm sorry. They're most frequently sold as one, not four. So they're more expensive. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So one, one tire at a time is going to cost you more than if you buy a set of four? Right. So, like, I had a 93 Ford Mustang. The original tire was General, uh-huh. and it was 15-inch at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had a sudden flat at 13,000 miles on that car. Mm-hmm. And to go to a General dealer and get the exact same tire was over $100 at the time. Mm-hmm. We're talking 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, like I said, original tire is definitely going to be more because... They're most frequently sold as one. Yeah, well, the original tire. And, and another source to get tire ratings, Tire Rack. Because it's the people who buy the tires who report their findings on the tires. Yeah, Tire Rack tire is, rack is, com. Tire oh, yeah, rack is a great it. source for tires. Uh, we've actually, our dealership has used Tire Rack quite a few times yep. looking for when cars come in to have an, kind of an odd-sized tire on them, uh, one that we don't normally service, because we service all makes and models. So if a car comes in that we don't usually deal in that size of tire, Tire Rack's one of the first places yeah. that we look. Yeah, they're highly reliable, and we oh, yeah. recommend them. Yeah, like, like if you have an Accord Sport with 19-inch rims. Yep. Yeah, I don't think anything Toyota has 19-inch rims. Oh, sure they do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Highlander. On my car right now. Yep, the new Avalons. Your car, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting. Well, Mark, thanks very much for the call. You're a pro, professional driver, and your input is always very, very helpful. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess you've got to take good care of your tires because it's uh, part of your uh, profession. Yeah, and with both my cars having 17 inch, they're not cheap. Mm -hmm. No. Mm Mm-mm. Makes a whole lot of sense, Mark, if you're going to buy uh, one tire that is going to, you know, cost you a whole lot more than to uh, buy four of them. Mark, are you on the turnpike right now? Not yet. I just left Pompano Beach. Oh, did you? Okay. Well, uh, give us a call again. I'm sure you have a, a lot to share about driving. 
you know, and uh, being on the turnpike, being on 95, got some crazies out there lately. So thank you for giving us a call. Yeah, I've given you traffic issues before. I don't, I'm not on the road yet. Yeah. I'm still locally in Pompano, but... Uh-huh. So okay, I'm just now leaving my leaving to go on the road. Okay. Drive safe, Mark. Okay. Okay. Well, give All us right. give us a call again. Have a uh, a safe day. We'll talk to you soon. Um, as a uh, a little reminder to all of you, if you're unable to listen to our live show or you want to listen to any of our past shows, you can always go to. Earl Stewart on Cars podcast on your smartphone or your tablet using the following podcast apps. And that would be Apple, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher Radio. And uh, if you'd like to watch the highlights from our show, you can go to youtube.com slash Earl on Cars. And again, ladies, we got $50 for each first two new lady callers. And uh, give us a call at 877-960-9960. And uh, you can uh, text us at uh, 877. Excuse me, I keep calling, I keep wanting to go to 877. Uh, 772-497-6530. So uh, if you're a little bashful, make use of that text number. Now back to the recovering car dealer. We've got a... Um, well, excuse me. Uh, Stu's giving me all kind of... I wanted... I was making eyes. I, I wanted to chime in. Um, we, we need some text. We got really light on the text this morning. But if you want to see what everybody looks like, you can go to Facebook slash Erlong Cars. First, oh, sorry, Facebook.com slash Erlong Cars, because we're live right now mm-hmm. um, with the show. So you can yeah. see what we look yeah. like. And uh, You know, uh, that that's a good point. Thanks, Stu. I was wondering why you were winking at me. That's <laughs> <laughs> something in my eye. Uh, a little, uh, you know. I noticed that uh, Craig uh, sent in. Uh, he he texted a, a question. What do you think about plug-in EVs and charging networks? Did you guys see that? Yeah, Rick will answer that. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tesla is one of the big front runners in that with their charging stations all across the U.S. But believe it or not, now electric car charging stations are available through city and county government places. Um, A lot of library and parking garages have plug-in stations for an electric car, such as the Nissan Leaf, uh, the Chevy Volt, uh, the Prius plug-in hybrid. Uh, There's a lot of different cars with plug-in capability, whether they're a hybrid that simply recharges its system by way of the plug-in and then can run under its electric power more, or a complete electric vehicle. And personally, I think electric vehicles are the wave of the future. I think it's it's where we need to go. And charging one of those batteries up, the cost of it is so much less than the cost, the actual money cost and the carbon footprint cost. Yeah, I think the big fuel. argument, I think the big argument against batteries has always been range and that's being overcome very quickly. And uh, you're going to find the luxury car manufacturers, especially BMW, Porsche, uh, Lexus, uh, 
uh, luxury car manufacturers are jumping into this with both feet. They and, are. And you're going to, the battery technology is, is progressing in leaps and bounds. And instead of a 300 mile range, you're going to have a 600 mile range. Then you're going to have a 1,000 mile range. Uh, the old days when you were worried about range anxiety will stop to exist. Uh, and then the cost is going to come down too. Yep. So you got to give Tesla a lot of credit for that. They really got everybody excited. The sad thing is, I believe that Tesla might be left in the dust because the other manufacturers, they got a whole lot more money than Tesla are taking Tesla as a platform and then leaping from there with their own technology. And I can see uh, five years from now, a lot of EVs on the road that are going to get you uh, a thousand miles. And I think that competition is actually going to hurt Tesla a little yeah, bit. I agree. Because as you've said in the past, Tesla seems to be working on, I don't know, Elon, it's like they're they're looking at a bunch of different projects that he really wants to play with. But they're not keeping the other features of their cars up to date like they should. Yeah, and and excuse me for a moment, uh, Rick. Uh, Craig uh, chimed in and he said the Tesla Model X is about th- uh, three hundred mile range. Yep. So and the, imagine that's about so the average for a lot of cars, mm-hmm. smaller cars, for a tank of fuel. And if you're going off on a road trip and you stop at a supercharging station. Well, 15 minutes, that battery's back at 75% capacity, ready to go again. Yeah. And that 15 minutes is the time it's going to take you to get a bathroom break, get a cup of coffee, stretch your legs a little bit, and be ready to get back on the highway. Thanks so much for that, Rick. Uh, Rick always has something interesting to say. We're going to go to our next caller, and he's a first-time caller, and it's uh, Sam. Uh, Good morning, Sam. How are you? Nancy, it's a woman. It's Sim. Hey. Sam is a she. Samantha. Hey, yeah, Sam. Sim. 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 Oh, it's Sim. I am. I think Sim is. I think Sim is a Sunrise Club member. Right. Yes, I have. I I am a member of the International uh, Sunrise. Well, Sim, welcome. thank you so much welcome. for calling. You know that you're going to win yourself fifty dollars this morning for being the first female thank caller. Thank you. Yeah, I'm curious about uh, the difference in the engines. I'm going to be leasing another Honda Accord, but, um, you know, they offer you the different engine sizes, and uh, I'm curious for your insight as to why one is better than the other. Well, Sam, um, Consumer Reports is always the ultimate answer, and I would check the Honda Accord, and they will address, I'm sure, the engine. Uh, as, uh, as a consumer kind of a person and as a car yeah. dealer kind of a person, I always opt for the lower. Uh, I'll go with a four-cylinder over a six. The car, the engines today are so efficient. <clears throat> they have such good torque that uh, you really don't need a high-powered engine unless you're a hot rod like I am, as a matter of fact. But um, yes, I you got a, yes, you are. I've got a lead <laughs> foot, so I like I like big engines. But uh, and from practicality, you got all the acceleration speed you need in the lower-powered, lower-to-horsepower engines. Uh, Rick is knows far more than I do about that. Rick, what do you say about it? Well, I'm looking at them right now just to kind of get an idea of uh, what they have for engines offered. I see they've got about four models listed for the Honda Accord. Their LX, their Sport, the EX, and a hybrid. And one thing I know is that a lot of hybrid cars will have a different designed engine than what would be in a normal uh, standard car. 
And let's well, see. If you were buying the car, Rick, let me ask you. Uh, just uh, If you were going to buy a Honda Accord, which, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, power plant would you choose? Well, I'm seeing two listed here as a 1.5 liter and a 2 liter turbo. And being as they're both turbos, I'd probably go for the 1.5 myself simply because it's going to have a little better fuel economy. There you go, Sam. That's what I wanted to know because I was thinking the hybrid would have the best uh, fuel economy, wouldn't it? It will, but at a higher price overall because hybrids are generally more expensive a vehicle. That's what you have to look at, Sam. Uh, A lot of these hybrids uh, sound great when you look at the fuel economy, but if you look at the incremental cost, let's say you spend uh, $4,000 extra for a hybrid. Uh, for the equivalent model, uh, you could get a gasoline engine for $4,000 less, or it could be 2000 You do the math, and you decide the um, fuel savings, and you f- figure the cost of gas, and then you figure how long you're going to keep the car. It's just an arithmetic problem. And if you're going to keep the car, say, for six or seven years, a lot of times a hybrid will be the answer because the fuel usage will more than offweigh the incremental cost. But if you're going to keep the car for two or three years, you might find out that the incremental cost is is going to cost you more than the fuel savings. Yeah, I just wish that I could support the idea that we should not be using oil out of a the earth mother and be moving more towards solar and hybrid uh, vehicles that don't use as much gasoline. We're almost there, Sam. I, I mean, it's it, we're not just moving, we're accelerating. And um, in, in 10 years, you're going to see, and this is just my prediction, the majority of vehicles on the road will be electric vehicles. And uh, it's just, it's going, it's mind-boggling how quickly it's happening. And it's uh, too late to, you know, it's it's still too late, but they're really making amazing progress now. I'm so glad to hear that because it seems like we've been trying for so long and it hasn't happened. You're right. It's been terrible. Absolutely terrible. I was selling cars back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and I can remember selling cars 8, 10 miles per gallon. I mean, what? Yep. how atrocious is that? Not to mention the emissions. So from, from the 60s and 70s, we've really made a, a quantum leap, and it'll be another quantum leap in 10 years. I mean, we're going to make more progress for the next 10 years than we made in the last 50. Absolutely. Sim, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, there's so much going on, and uh, we definitely are moving forward as far as the electric vehicles are concerned. And uh, there's so much information on the Internet. And uh, one of the sources that uh, Earl and I use is the uh, Consumer Report and the auto uh, issue of uh, 2018. There's a a lot of information right there. And uh, I want to take a moment and thank you for your call and uh, also for being part of the uh, International Sunrise Club. Uh, Sim, I'm not sure whether you heard me earlier, but as a first-time lady caller, you can win yourself. You did win yourself fifty dollars. <laughs> and and uh, my apologies for uh, mispronouncing your name. That is a beautiful name. Stay on the line, and uh, we'll get your information, and I'll get that check out to you. That is so awesome. Thank you guys so much. I love both of you. You oh. really are day in the morning. I love seeing the sunrise every morning. And we're hoping one of these days we may bring Ollie with us to the ocean. Oh, <laughs> is that Would that be amazing? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, th- this, uh, this International Sunrise Club has definitely exploded. And yeah. uh, Earl is amazing. 
I agree, Nancy. Thank you. I Sam. agree. Stay, stay <laughs> Thank on the, you. You're welcome. Stay on the line and give us a, that information. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, I, am, uh, I thought we had a text, but we don't. So I have a text. Back to the... Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay, great. We got three texts. Yeah. Here's a first text I'll read. Are all the tire brands uh, today pretty much safe when running down the turnpike at 70 miles an hour with kids on board? Is there a particular brand that's far superior to the others? Thank you, Robbie from Stewart. <clears throat> Again, I know we sound like a broken record. Consumer reports. Consumer reports should be mandatory reading for everybody. Certainly every consumer. That's just about everybody. Uh, online or at your newsstand or, uh, you know, pick it up at the library. The annual auto issue, all you do is go online and say, uh, your question is, uh, safest tire, and you'll find out. Here you go. You'll find out your safest tire. Uh, But in general, yes, the tires are pretty much all safe. It's a question of which ones are safer. And... uh, you want to be sure, by the way, this is something that I don't remind people of often enough. The age of your tire is very important. And when you buy a tire, the date code is stamped on the tire. Once a tire gets to be six years old, depending on the area you live in, high humidity, high heat, tires deteriorate faster. How you drive, tires det- deteriorate faster. You should buy a fresh tire. You buy a fresh loaf of bread. You buy a fresh quart of milk. Buy fresh tires. There's no law that says I can't sell you a tire that's 20 years old. Crazy? No. We got a lot of things in the government that are crazy. National Highway Traffic Safety Association. Some of these should have a law that says you can't sell old tires. But there is no law. It happens. So when you're buying a tire, be sure you check the date code on the tire to find out if that tire was manufactured in the year you bought it. Yeah, great information. Check the tire and check that date. I think the second text is on the same subject, so everybody wants to know about tires today. Okay, let me find uh-huh. the second text here. Uh, the second text is, okay, no, oh, that was Todd. the first text, yeah. Yeah, from Todd. Uh, Johnny from Riviera Beach. That's one of them, but Todd and Jupiter said that we talked about dry rot last week and want to know if that's if we were referring to small cracks oh, in the okay. tire. Great. Yeah, is that dry rot, the small cracks in the tire? Exactly. That's the uh, H problem. That's uh, kind of like me. I have dry rot because I'm 77 years old. <laughs> I'm starting to crack. And when you get to an old tire, they crack just like I do. <laughs> what about me? I'm 75. Yeah. What's going on with me? But, but <laughs> I don't know, but you look great. But when you're buying, <laughs> when you're buying a bargain tire, be careful. <laughs> That's it. That's right. Good moisturizer. Maybe we could use it on the tires. Don't do that, folks. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Moisturize your tires. <laughs> okay, I got another text here. Um, as soon as Stu and Nancy get well, through. Well, Rick, would that Shrekling. work? Could, could you moisturize old tires to make it? Okay, don't do that. Uh, now, wait a minute, Rick. Look at my face. What could it? Look at this face. Would it do a great job on tires? No <laughs> <laughs> dry right there. Okay, we're getting into the wheeze. Right. Go ahead, Earl. Johnny from Riviera <laughs> Beach. 
<laughs> President Trump has threatened to impose a tariff on foreign cars coming into the U.S. from Europe and Japan. If this happens, I'm quite sure these automobile dealers will pass that extra tax on to the consumers so it won't affect their bottom line. Or they will start adding more fees, such as a test driving fee and a fee if you drink their water or coffee. Well, they already do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just have to increase the fee. Uh, you know, I, I, I have to be very careful about political commentary on the show. And uh, <clears throat> the country is divided. You all know that. 50-50. I'll try to give you my honest economic answer. Uh, the way it is now... American manufacturers, when they sell cars in Europe, they pay a very high tariff. It's 10%. Uh, when the European cars come into the United States, there's a very low tariff. I think it's like 1% or 2%. Uh, I happen to believe that it should be a level playing field and that all countries should trade equally without any tariffs at all. Yes. So what you say is true, Johnny, from Riviera Beach. If we did impose a tariff on European cars coming into this country, the cost would be passed along to the consumer by the manufacturers to the extent that they could given the limitations of supply and demand. But right now, there are countries that charge, um, well, in case of Europe, I believe it's a 10% tax. That's passed along. There are countries that charge American car manufacturers a 25% tax. And all this is passed along. China, I believe, charges something like a 25% tax on Buick. So if you buy a Buick and, and uh, you know, Peking, then you're going to be paying a 25% more than you would in the United States. I don't like tariffs. I don't think anybody likes tariffs. But, uh, yes, your question uh, would be that tariff passed on European cars, you're going to be paying more for your Mercedes and more for your Porsche, more for your BMW. Great information. We're going to go to Craig. Uh, no, we're not going to go to Craig. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960. And again, you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, remember, uh, we all just want a, uh, a, a deal from, a, from an honest uh, dealership that's uh, transparent. Uh, so uh, I'm sure all of you out there... Uh, can uh, elaborate on that so uh, give us a call or text us uh, we're going to go to hope who is a first-time caller from west palm beach wow welcome to the show hope hi how you doing we're doing great hey hope uh you won yourself fifty dollars this morning oh wow that's great yeah first-time caller so if you stay on the line after you ask your question we can get your uh -huh. information i'll get that check out to you Okay, it's it's about the lemon laws. Okay. Um, a few, few years ago, I bought a car, and something was there was some noise in the car, and I brought it to the dealership, and they said that there was nothing wrong with it, and I kept telling them I was hearing the noise. So they they changed a few of the parts. It was a brand new car. Um, they changed a few of the parts, transmission, this and that. I was just wondering, like, why would they change all that things if they were thinking there was nothing wrong with it? Well, that's a good question. I, uh, I guess they were smart enough to realize if you thought there was something wrong with it, uh, that uh, they should try to do something to uh, make you happy. Uh, I find when there's noises and squeaks and rattles in vehicles, we forget you know the most obvious answer to some of these questions. Maybe they can't hear it because their ears aren't as good as a customer. Uh, I mean, uh, let's face it, frequency. I, I have high, 
I can't hear high frequency. I have a mailbox detector. When someone leaves this mail, I have an alarm that goes off, and Nancy can hear it, but I can't hear it. People driving cars hear certain squeaks and rattles that the technician can't hear. So if you have a, a problem like that, same thing goes with, with vibrations. Some of us are more sensitive than others. So I salute the dealer that uh, took your word for it. Apparently, hope I understand that it must have stopped making the noise or else you would have invoked the lemon law. I, I actually I actually did and I had to get a new they just they just gave me my money oh. back and I've got a new car. Oh, I got for, a new car. Good for same you. Same company. Same company. Good for you. Well yeah. uh, let me ask you this. Uh, how much what percentage of the cost of the car did you have refunded to you? Um, they gave they took they took two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I had the car for a little bit more than a year. Yeah. Well, that's so great. That's, that's great. You must be a you must be a tough gal, and I, you're the type of person you're persistent. Uh, it's not easy confronting a car dealer and the manufacturer, and going head to head. And right. I, I presume you went through the arbitration uh, process too. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, but, not, I'm not really sure. But um, yeah. but you know the the company was great. They still are great. And, Good. Um, I, it just, you know, unfortunately, it was just a mishap that happened. You mm-hmm. know, it ha- things happen. You know, so, so I just got a new car and it's great. Well, good for you. And I, the Lemon Law, as I say, is a, yeah, I think, as I said earlier, if you just tuned in, um, it's more of a threat. It's, it can oftentimes be more used as a as an effective threat against the manufacturer. But if you're tough like hope. And you can take it through all the way through the process, which isn't easy. And I salute you, Hope, uh, for being able to do that. And I congratulate you on right. getting a positive result. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh-huh. Hope that uh, that doesn't happen uh, a whole lot, you know, because uh, it, it, it's it's really, it's, it gets complicated. you got to put a whole lot of time in into it. Uh, but I also commend you uh, for, you know, standing strong and having uh, the uh, situation taken care of. And uh, thank you so much for the phone call. And uh, oh, Hope, h- how did you hear yeah. about us? Uh, well, I, I buy all my cars from you. Oh, okay. Okay, fine. But, and um, I heard about your show. One day I was just flipping channels and I heard about it, so now every week I listen. Oh, okay. great. And it is a great channel to tune into, uh, whether it's Saturday or throughout the week. Hope, thanks so much. And like I said, stay on the line. Thanks. We'll get you that. Uh, we'll get your information and get that $50 out to you. Okay, thanks so much. I love you guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I have uh, a text from Tamara, and she has an Audi, an A4. Uh, Earl, uh, yes, I have the oh, text, too, yes. You also have the text? Okay, Tamara, uh, Earl is going to address uh, that question that you have. And, uh, well, uh, Turnpike Mark is uh, back. And, Let uh, me answer this question. Hang on, Mark. I'll yeah, be right hang on, Mark. We'll be right with you. Uh, I'm going to flip this to Rick in a minute, but the question is, my Audi A4 is drinking oil like crazy, yet I don't see it dripping on the driveway. Where is the oil going? I'll tell you what I know about it before Rick uh, jumps in here. Uh, every vehicle, and I mean even every vehicle within the same make and model, varies in oil consumption. So if oil isn't dripping out of the crankcase, <coughs> it's being burned up by the car. And oil will burn up, and if you have uh, smoke coming out of the tailpipe, then you know your oil is burning up. Uh, oil consumption varies 
uh, with from as I say, make and brand. You can have two cars that are identical. One will burn more oil than the other. It has to do with the specifications of the engine. And manufacturers will have a range, and they will say, this is normal oil consumption. And the range is quite wide. It's always surprised me why they would have such a wide range. Uh, uh, one car could get, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, twice as good uh, or twice as bad oil consumption as another and still be within the manufacturer's range. So I don't think that's, a, I don't think that's right. But that's reality, and that's the way it is. So uh, what do you say about uh, the Audi drinking the oil? Well, the, the problem with oil consumption, and just to be sure, I know you're not seeing any drips on the driveway, but what you might want to do is take your cell phone. If you've got one of those selfie sticks, put it underneath the car and snap a picture, and just make sure that that oil isn't actually leaking and only leaking while you're driving and that the airflow isn't making it run back along the bottom of the car. Because mm -hmm. you might not see any drips, but still might be a pretty good leak there. So just double check that one. And if not, then obviously the engine is burning it. And you may not see a whole lot of smoke because, believe it or not, the catalytic converters nowadays are so good that they will burn up that oil without leaving a lot of evidence of that heavy smoke that you might normally see. Okay. Well, so they you. could still use a lot of oil that yeah. way and not really show anything. It's like a ghost solution. You know, whenever you say catalytic converter, the only thing I can think about is uh, my cousin Vinny. What a great, great movie. Uh, we are going to go back to uh, Mark, and uh, he was an earlier caller. We call him Turnpike Mark. Hi there. You still there, Mark? Maybe we lost Mark. Mark, call back if you can hear us. We can't hear you on this end. And I'm going to uh, go to some text now. Okay, that sounds real good. I'm going to give out that phone number first and uh, text number just in case somebody uh, may have not heard it Maybe earlier. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. He's got a few texts he wants to answer. New Jersey. We got Steve from New Jersey. I love the, you know, the way these people are coming from all over the country. Maybe we can get some people from out of the country. That'd be fun. Steve from New Jersey, you said that lease pricing is difficult to figure out, and it's best to get three prices before buying. Since ads often do not include all costs and uh, one's credit rating is component, what suggestions can you provide to Comparison Shop? Leasing is com complicated. That's the reason car dealers make more money when they lease you a car. Uh, manufacturers want to lease you a car because you're more inclined to repeat with that manufacturer when you lease than when you buy. So they're going to push you, push you, push you to lease. This, be very careful. Here's how you get the best lease price. Choose the exact year, make, model car you want to lease. The exact options, accessories. And shop that exact car with at least three dealers. Now, be sure that the MSRPs are identical. Get a lease price from each of the three dealers on the exact terms of the same lease with all three dealers, meaning 36 months or 48 months, whatever the length term you want. 
you're comparing apples and apples. 36 months. You also want to look at the mileage allowance. So now you have, you know, they allow you 10,000 miles a year, 15,000 miles a year, whatever the mileage allowance is. Now you're comparing apples and apples and apples, okay? So you're going to have your term, 36 months. You're going to have the same mileage, and you're going to have the MSRP. Uh, and Stu just hit me with a note here. If I forgot that, that would really have been dumb. Down payment. They all are going to hit you with a down payment. Be sure that the, they call it a capital cost reduction, it's really a down payment. If you're going to have to put $10,000 down, put down what you want to put down. If you don't want to put anything down, then compare no down payments. And what they do a lot is, and it's really confusing, even in the ads they'll say, or in the disclosure, they'll say total due at signing. That rarely really yeah. means the total. It's yeah. total due at signing plus fees. Yeah. So it, it, you got to really hash that out. Yeah. Here's the verbiage is really, they do it to confuse you. Uh, sometimes the first lease payment will be due. Sometimes there'll be a, a uh, security deposit due. Uh, sales tax and tag will be due. There's a lot of cash floating around there that they don't talk about until you sign in. So you'll want to know. If I'm going to come out totally zero, $1,000, $10,000, just be sure that every nickel that you have to pay that dealer is accounted for. And then if you also, then if you do that and you go with the lowest monthly payment, then you've got yourself the best lease deal. I think you're beginning to understand, Steve, from New Jersey, why I recommend purchasing over leasing. Because leasing can get very complicated. And I'm, I'm just talking the tip of the iceberg about why leasing is far more complicated than most people realize. This is very true. Very true about leasing. You know, they, they just think that this is uh, an easier way to go, not realizing that, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it costs more for the uh, to, to insure the car. Exactly. And there are so many other things that are just a negative. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, w- uh, w- what do you think? 877-960-9960, uh, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And uh, ladies, Earl mentioned something earlier in the show, and it was about an article that I read from the uh, Daily Business Review. We haven't forgotten about that. We are going to get to it. We're going to go back to the recovering car dealer because he has uh, a few more texts to address. Oh, well, these are actually coming in on our live Facebook video. So what about hydrogen fuel cell power plants, John and Jupiter? Hydrogen fuel cell power plants. That was a hot topic a while back. Uh, Toyota was a leader in the hydrogen fuel cell, and they're kind of fading. Um, Rick? Well, we've got the Toyota Mirai that's running out in California. The problem is there's only a few hydrogen fueling stations where you can refuel it, and of those few that are available in California, only a few, well, a couple of those, a small percentage, are open to the general public. Yeah. So it's a very limited <clears throat> thing. It well, I think the reason that you're not seeing a surge of infrastructure being built for hydrogen fuel cell refueling is because the battery technology is going so fast now, you don't need the fuel cell. You'll be able to buy a battery, as we talked about earlier in the show. 300 miles is a is a no-brainer now. A thousand miles, I'm saying in 10 years, and who knows, in 15, 20 years, it could be 3,000 miles. I mean, uh, hydrogen fuel cell was a hot topic. Now it fell behind. Technology and batteries has pushed that into the 
dust. Yeah, and the other, the other big drawback on it was they were getting the hydrogen from the hydrocarbons in oil. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you were still using the oil anyways, yeah. and we weren't getting away from oil. So Hydro- Hydrogen fuel cell is deader than a doornail. Yep. Good point. Uh, we are going to go to Al. Uh, Al has been holding. Thanks for your patience, Al. He's calling from West Palm Beach. Welcome to the show. Yeah, hi. I, I know you're talking about uh, mostly cars, but I focus more on the driver because of the fact that my limited vision, I no longer drive. But one of the things I've always thought about is the fact that while they give you a vision test, they never test your hearing. Mm-hmm. You go in there deaf and get a driver's license. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, funny you should mention that. Uh, uh, the only requirement if you're deaf, I mean totally deaf, uh, is that you have a side view mirror on the driver's side. Uh, that is the only rule, <coughs> which has always amazed me because certainly that's one of the senses that's very important. Uh, if, you're, uh, if there's an emergency vehicle with a siren going, uh, you should be able to hear that. So that's just one of our laws. It's a little difficult to understand. Um, I uh, I suppose that's something that people ought to talk to their congressmen about, their senators, uh, their legislators, as to why there isn't some sort of restriction on hearing. I will say this, though, that I think with technology exploding the way it is now, there probably is technology out there that essentially, we're talking autonomous cars, autonomous cars can hear, so yeah, if yeah, we have yeah. devices in cars that would be like the hearing of an autonomous car, it could visually alert the driver who is doing some driving. So, so right. I think, I think the the uh, likelihood that deaf drivers will ever be, or I should say, hearing impaired is politically correct, but uh, that the hearing impaired drivers will probably continue to be able to drive because of technology, even if they do pass a law that says that you must be aware of emergency vehicles with their sirens on. Yeah, there's one other uh, uh, incident that uh, is demonstrated by a story about a mother who took a daughter for a drive, and as they were driving, the mother went through a red light, and the daughter was hesitant to say anything because she didn't want the mother to feel that she was being... Uh, uh, thought of as not able to drive anymore. Mm-hmm. But then when the mother went through the second light, she said, Mother, you just went a second light. You went through that light. Mm-hmm. And the mother says to her, Am I driving? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Al. <laughs> hey, Al, let me, let me ask you a question. Now, you, you said you, you're, you're uh, visually impaired and you're, don't, you can't see well enough to drive. Are you excited about the fact that you could possibly be in an autonomous car in three or four years? Al, I think I think we lost Al there, but I always get excited when I talk to people that are elderly, people that have uh, impairments of vision and hearing and, and uh, other physical impairments. It's just the idea, I'm, partly because I'm 77 years old, it's going to happen to me. It's so exciting to me that I could be in an autonomous car in five years, at least on I-95 and the turnpike. But uh, how cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to go back to Mark. Hey, we got you back, Mark. How you doing? Yeah, can you hear me now? Loud and clear. Sorry for the the glitch before. Okay, now going back to tires. Mm-hmm. Um, how long should the average person keep their spare tire that's in the trunk, the zona spare? What spare tire? 
Oh, man, that's a joke. <laughs> you know, uh, the spare tires are, are disappearing. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But, uh, you, but, but you're right. If you have a if you have yeah. one of the few cars that has a spare tire, uh, I would uh, inspect it carefully, and I would look at the age on the tire. And if I had a six-year-old spare, I would be very, very uh, uh I'd have an expert probably look at it and say, do you see any dry rot or defects that may cause a yeah. problem? Yeah. That's the last thing you want is to be on a turnpike somewhere. I a, yeah, I have an 06 Mazda 5, mm -hmm. and I I changed the tire a year ago. Mm -hmm. I bought the car brand new, and like I said, me personally, I changed the tire. Mm -hmm. I, so I have a brand new spare tire. Mm -hmm. It, even though it's a donut, because the regular one don't fit in my trunk. Oh, okay. Well, it's good. Uh, it's, it's good to be ultra and, cautious. Yeah. Yeah, I got one more topic. Um, you were talking about lemon law, also. Um, I heard about a case in California where a woman sued Honda because she bought a Civic Hybrid, and the car did not get fifty miles per gallon as advertised. Mm-hmm. Now, we've covered on the show many times before many other reasons why the car wasn't getting 50 miles per gallon. Mm -hmm. First, we have the ethanol in our gasoline. Sure. That's not the manufacturer's fault. Mm -hmm. Second, she lives in California. Mm -hmm. So California has got more emissions, therefore reduced fuel economy. Well, it's uh, that's that's really subjective, and uh, as a car dealer, one advantage of me being a, currently a car dealer is we have a lot of people that come come in and complain about their fuel economy, and uh, sometimes it's legitimate, sometimes it's the driver's fault. Uh, and as you say, ethanol—that's a whole other topic. There, there, the fuel for for you. If I asked Nancy what she got in her car, and then Rick drove her car, and I asked him what he got, and I drove her car, you know what I'm saying? Five You're different people drove. different results. Exactly, exactly. It varies. I mean, driving yeah. conditions, uh, uh, a lot of different variables, but... There are legitimate complaints, and if you're not getting the fuel economy that you expect, then you should have the car checked out. And I, I, what I do in, uh, in my dealership, um, I, I pick on Rick a lot. We have a customer that's convinced that the car is not getting good fuel economy. Typically, it happens with hybrids because, uh, you know, they hype the uh, mileage so much. They think they can get, you know, the 55 or 60 miles per gallon that it says on the window sticker. So... Uh, we'll have uh, Rick uh, take the car home and drive it uh, maybe two or three times back and forth, and he will record the gas mileage. And typically, if you drive the car, he's a really good driver. He knows how to maximize fuel economy. He can usually get very good fuel economy. So very subjective. I'm surprised. I, do, do you happen to know if that woman in California won the lemon law complaint? I, I would say she probably didn't. Well, I think she did. She was an attorney, so she did a direct oh. lawsuit, not a class action. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, she might have won. You didn't mention that. Yeah. That's very. That was a very important detail. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks, Mark. Now, now, like another thing. Now, like we're talking about the ethanol. Like I have a, a ten Toyota Prius, and if we fuel it at Costco and Davy, I might see thirty point five, thirty one miles per gallon from a Toyota Prius. Mm -hmm. And um, if, I get, if I get Wawa non-ethanol, I might see like 42, 43 miles per gallon. 
Interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, Can we I have ask a... one question here? Uh, what's the difference in price per gallon between the Costco fuel with the 10% ethanol and the Wawa non-ethanol? It varies. I mean, I mean, I would say, I don't know where your local Costco is in Riviera Beach or if you got one there. Palm Beach Garden. It's uh, actually Lake Park on North Lake Boulevard. Gar- All right. I don't know. And then, of course, I know you have a Wawa next to 95 on Blue Heron. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there because I usually been by there with the truck, so it has nothing to do with me there. But I've seen, like, recently something like 342 a gallon for the Wawa non-ethanol in, like, Pompano, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Broward Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Of course, Rick's point. I don't know what the Rick's point was. I don't Mark. know what the price. Yeah, you got to. The price is the name of the game, and if you have to pay too much more for the non-ethanol, then you're better off to go with the lower mileage. So that's what he's basically saying. We might do a little experiment. I, there, am, maybe I am noticing. Yeah, knowing what I used to get with my Mazda Five, which I haven't put put ethanol gas in that in years, but. The math is still better in favor of yeah. the more expensive non-ethanol gas. Yeah. But especially with older vehicles. Now, I don't know about newer because they seem to work with the ethanol blend, mm-hmm. but older vehicles definitely make a difference. Like I said, my, my Mazda's an 06, and they started the ethanol blending in 07. Yeah. So the car started out with uh, straight gasoline. Mark, we got to run. We got to oh. run. And I know, uh, Mark, you're you're really, really uh, interested in fuel economy, and I would be too if I were a professional driver. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a little test uh, and see what the uh, cost advantage or disadvantage is. We'll check the uh, uh, non-ethanol, and we'll check a low-priced uh, with ethanol. See what we come up with, and uh, uh, give us a call next week, and uh, we'll see what uh, the results were. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Uh, uh, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go straight to Steve, uh, who was uh, calling from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Steve. Hi. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, Not I can clear. hear you. Is this the Turnpike Mark show? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <I texted laughs> yeah, he broke the record I this morning. <laughs> I texted a little while ago, and I know you folks are busy, so I decided to call for the first time. So that's why I'm calling. Concerning uh, lease vehicles. Um, is there a general rule of thumb as far as the amount that a dealer will give a lease as far as uh, general wear and tear or small dents and dings? Mm-hmm. Is there a number, and or do they, are they there? What do you have on that? Well, you're talking about lease cars, and you're talking about turning your lease car in and then being charged a lot of money uh, for the leasing company to uh, fix the car, repair the dings and dents. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it's a racket. Uh, it is uh, common. Uh, we we lease a lot of cars in my dealership, and I talk to a lot of other car dealers. Uh, the leasing companies uh, have looked to the uh, abnormal wear and tear column on their ledger as a profit center, and they are overcharging the the lessees to repair these vehicles. And I admonished every person who has a lease car to be very very careful when they turn that car in 
They should be sure that the car is inspected while they are present. They should actually take pictures of the exterior, the interior of the car, include the tires in that to see exactly, document, what dings and dents do I have? How serious are they? Do I have any stains on the upholstery? What's the tread depth of my tires? That way you have an objective uh, reference point when you get a bill from them. A lot of the leasing companies now will charge you if your car has been repainted. Even if it's a first-class job, you could take your car after a ding fender to a collision repair. They do a perfect job. You look at the car. It looks like brand new. You can't tell there was a dent repaired. But the leasing company will put what they call a paint meter. It's a device that they hold up on the metal of the car, the paint of the car, tells the depth of the paint. And if it's been painted, they say, okay, this car's been painted. We're going to charge you $1,000. You have to argue. You have to go back to the leasing company and through the dealer typically and say, look, here's my car. It's perfect. And I got a bill for $1,000. When you complain, they will typically take the charge off. And uh, that's all I could But be sure you have the documentation because they will try to come after you in many, many cases. Okay. Uh, Earl, do you find that if one was to lease a ten with the same dealer, do they show more uh, flexibility as far as, okay, this is going to lease this again? We'll let this slide or let that slide. Do you find that? Uh, does I repeat the question, Steve. Uh, do you say, repeat that, please? Um, if you were to, if someone was to lease again with the same dealer, are they more inclined? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They have, um, the typical lease has that hook in there, and the manufacturer and the dealer. If you release with the same dealer, then they will waive what they call a disposition fee, and uh, that's a bad thing. I mean, it's uh, it's a hook, and I don't like that, and. Uh, they are uh, typically $350, $400, but if you release uh, with the same dealer, they'll waive the fee. Uh, there's no other advantage. Uh, the dealers and the manufacturers are exploiting the fact that you're leasing. See, they have, a, they have a string on you. You have to come back to return the car. You have to make the payments so they know where you are all the time. You bring the car back in, they're going to take another run at you. Typically, you'll start getting mail or phone calls from a leasing dealer six months before your lease runs out and they'll offer you special deals they'll say we'll we'll waive the last two lease payments or maybe the last three lease payments or we'll give you this special deal or that special deal and the final gotcha is well if you don't lease from me you're going to have to pay a lease disposition fee if you go over and lease from another manufacturer or dealer exactly okay thank you so much Thank you, Steve. Thank, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to hearing from you again. That number is 877-960-9960. Or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We are going to go to a caller that is uh, calling us from St. Louis, and his name is Glenn. Wow. Welcome to the show, Glenn. Thank you. Love your show. Oh, thank you. How'd you hear about us? Uh Basically, I've seen almost all of Earl's YouTube videos. I'm oh, very good. Very good. And I've been ready to shop for a car, and um, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I've ever missed one of them. So Very good. I tried calling. I tried, Nancy, I tried calling last week, and I tried calling too late. And so I emailed Earl, like, three questions. Oh. And within, within an hour, he emailed back with answers. 
and hey. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get that too often from a uh, car dealer. Uh, he's the greatest at well, doing. I'm pretty sure Earl realizes I'm never going to buy a car from him. <laughs> well, you and know, it's just something he feels people. passionate about. Yeah, we don't deliver to St. Louis. <laughs> not for free. Well, that's too far for me to drive. Um, I've got a couple comments and, and, and a question, Earl, at the end. Um, I guess my first comment is I've been shopping. I've I'm pretty well decided what I want. I've got a pretty good offer that I'm happy with. I've tried to follow all of your advice, but I have to say your industry makes my chest hurt. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> okay, let's go back. One of the one of the issues you've had lately is with Costco, mm-hmm. and I, I'm like you. I love Costco, and I tried to pursue it that way. They emailed me one dealer with names, you know, six names of, of his salesman. Mm-hmm. I called, and I wanted to do it over the Internet. Um, and this guy told me they cannot do that. It's Costco's policy to not do that. Well, I called Costco, and they said, that's not our policy. That's their policy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's common. Um I don't know if I should should have expected the Costco thing to transpire over the internet, but they made it clear they want me to come in. So yeah. I, so they're not going to sell me a car. Well, that's uh, um, that's I'm glad you called. Your timing's perfect because we're going to be going to Mystery Shopping Report uh, as soon as soon as we talk to you, and it's another Costco dealer, and. Uh, we have uh, my son and I are meeting with the Costco executives uh, Wednesday, yep. and they're coming in. Uh, I guess from uh, San Diego. They're coming from the West Coast to talk to us about our concerns with the Costco auto buying program. So your timing is perfect. I'm so happy that you called and shared that information with us. Um, well, wait a minute. I'm not done. I'm, I'm going to out talk turnpike, turnpike Mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I've got a buyer's order that was sent to me yesterday and I'm let's say I'm happy with the price but something I haven't bought a new car in nine years and I don't recall this but there is an arbitration clause that I questioned and I went to your webpage to see if you had ever commented on it and guess what the first article is just about it <laughs> and you talked about it but my question is can I refuse and I refuse to sign it. I, I'm, will that kill the deal? Glenn, uh, I tell you what, you sure you can refuse to sign it. The question is whether the dealer would accept it. Uh, uh, I, I'd say you'd have a pretty good chance. A, a lot of car dealers, especially the salespeople, the sales managers, are not even aware of the arbitration clause. Most people, and you're you're a very sharp guy to even be aware of it. Uh, virtually every car dealer I know has that arbitration clause, which basically waives your Seventh Amendment rights, your right to a trial by jury, your right to have uh, your fair day in court. You cannot sue a dealer when they have that arbitration clause. No matter what the dealer did to you, you go before an arbitration council. The arbitration council typically favors the dealer because the arbitration councils work for the, the companies, and they only deal with the consumer once. They deal with the same company hundreds and hundreds of times. So... 
there's a, a slant toward the favoring the uh, company. Uh, I would I would recommend that uh, when you go in, make the deal. Uh, you're happy with the price and everything else is fine. The car, you like the car. And you say, okay, we're ready to do business here, Mr. Dealer. One thing, I want you to cross out that arbitration clause and initial it and in saying this is null and void. And you initial it and he initials it. You do that and you've got a deal. I'd say you have a pretty good chance of them doing that. They don't like to do it, but uh, I think you would have the leverage there because you're going to buy the car on that condition. Yeah, it, it, I don't know if it should be a deal killer. Uh, Earl, I'm almost as old as you, and I've never sued a dealer. But, you know, it may have to happen. Yeah. It, they take that option away from you, and, it, and it's, like you say, it's stacked in even, their favor. And even if you're only bluffing, I mean, it's a good bluff. You know, you look at see how good a poker player you are. You look them in the eye and say, if you don't initial this, I'm going to walk out of here. And then if they say no, you say, well, I was just kidding. I want to buy the car anyway. I mean, you know. <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you very much for your help. I love your, I love your show. Well, Glenn, you're a great caller, and thank you so much for watching my YouTubes. And I look forward to hearing from you again. I do hope you'll call again. I love it when yeah, we get calls from out of the area. Definitely. And I really appreciate the call very thank, much. Thanks for taking the time to, to give us a call. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. Uh, I uh, unfortunately am not going to be able to get to the uh, article that I read in the Daily uh, Business Review, ladies, uh, but uh, hopefully I'll have time next week. It's worthy of uh, talking about. And uh, we're going to go to our next caller. That's uh, Dealey from Lake Park. Good after. Good morning, uh, Dee Lee. Good morning. This is Dee Lee in Lake Park. How are you? Great. Thank you for for the call. What can we do for you? Well, I am a first time caller, and I accidentally came across your radio show about two weeks ago. Well, thank you. Just driving. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, um, Dee Lee, before you before you go on, let me tell you that you just won yourself fifty dollars. Thank you. And if you that stay on the line. Uh, and uh, you share your information uh, with us, I can get that check out to you. Thank Ex you very much. You're welcome. So what can we do for you? Well, I want to just first say that my very first car was a 1973 Toyota Celica mm. when I was 20 years old. Wow. Mm. <laughs> and it, it ran until it had 260,000 miles on it. Mm. Wow. Nothing wrong at all. Okay, but the reason I'm calling is I'm having some anxiety issues. I had a Ford Explorer, a 2000, and it had 100,000 miles on it. And my husband came home with a new gift for me, which is a 2007 CTS Cadillac hmm. with 200,000 miles on it. Hmm. So I need to be appreciative of this new beautiful black CTS Cadillac with 200,000 miles, and I had to get rid of the Explorer. And I'm used to getting rid of cars when they have 200,000 miles, not getting a new one. <laughs> <laughs> so how long do you think this beautiful Cadillac will run? Well, you know, I, I Rick, is, Rick could talk to you for an hour and a half on that, and he probably would if I let him. But... Uh, <laughs> uh, 
you have to know a lot about the car. Uh, I would say the most important thing would be its maintenance history. Uh, you could check, uh, try to go to the previous owner or owner's uh, car like that with 200,000 miles. has got maybe several owners. But uh, I'd have a, a knowledgeable technician check it out, uh, preferably a GM-trained technician. Go over the car with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, if you can get the maintenance repairs as far back as you can, and you can have a, t- well, Earl, a, t- a good technician check it out, then... Yeah, let me just add to one, two, two quick things. Um, my husband is a mechanic, oh. which helped, and the car was a one owner oh. previous to me. Hmm. So, I, yeah, so those are very, very helpful things. Well, you can, uh, the cars today, uh, Dealey, will last a lot longer than they did 10 years ago. You can get a 200,000-mile a car will last you 300,000. You probably got another 100,000 before you even have to worry if the car's been well-maintained. And, and your husband checked it out. If he says it's A-OK and you've got the maintenance record, uh, you might even get 400,000 miles. You take care of a, a vehicle, you'd be surprised how long they'll last. Just like our bodies, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Thank you. For Thank sharing. you, Dealey. Great call. Dealey, thanks so much okay. for the call. And uh, spread the word to the ladies to give us a call uh, that we do have $50 for them. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a great weekend. Uh, our mystery shopping report is from uh, Coral Springs Kia. And uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to go to the mystery shopping report, which is an important part of the show. So I apologize to the callers uh, that have been waiting. Uh, and uh, we'll try to get to you next week if you could be so kind to give us a call then. Uh, again, the Mystery Shopping Report is from Coral Springs Kia. Now back to the recovering car dealer and the Mystery Shop. Well, this Mystery Shopping Report, as we've done with the past several shows, addresses the Costco auto buying program issue. And this one is particularly important because it'll be the last Mystery Shopping Report before we meet with the Costco auto bank program executives. Uh, They're coming into town and we are meeting with them on Wednesday. The meeting has to do with our criticism of the Costco auto member buying program. Um, I always like to say when I speak about Costco that I hold Costco in very high esteem. And uh, I always remind our listeners that Nancy and I have been Costco members for many, many years. my company shops with Costco. We shop with them personally. Uh, I rank them the highest in integrity, quality, pricing. Uh, the Costco uh, membership warehouse, the Costco warehouses, I consider to be the number one retail store anywhere. I, we love them. So it's with love and concern that I critic. I'm constructively criticizing the auto member program, and I look forward to resolving our issues this Wednesday when we meet. Uh, as Nancy said, this mystery shop is of Coral Springs Kia. We went way, way far south. To, this is our seventh Costco uh, membership, uh, mystery shop in as many weeks. Since early Bay, we've investigated Schumacher Chevrolet, West Palm Beach Kia, Ed Morris Delray Toyota, Pompano Ford, AutoNation Toyota Weston, and Lexus. Pembroke Pines. Each expose of these dealers' Costco auto program experience was unique. Some adhered uh, perfectly to the rules and others behaved as if there were no rules. Last week's shop of Lexus of Pembroke Pines was a shocking example of the latter. 
I mean, that really shocked me. I'm not easily shocked. That was really a train wreck. Despite our investigators' repeated pleas to be assisted by an official Costco rep, he was refused and subjected to a very non-Costco-like buying experience. Even after the official Costco rep was brought in to save the deal, our shopper was charged a large $499 electronic filing fee that was not disclosed on the member-only price sheet. Again, that was uh, the last shopping report that we did. Affinity Development Group, and they call themselves a Costco member auto buying program. The Affinity Development Group has told us that bad dealers ignore the rules and therefore the Costco auto program cannot be held accountable. This washing of the hands is not acceptable when the very essence of the program is the leveraging of the incredibly popular and trustworthy Costco brand. There is no finer brand. I would say Costco is right up there with the Apple brand. I mean, it is a pristine brand. If nothing else, the program's own survival, Costco is a buying program, own survival depends on defending that brand as much as possible. The reason people will use the Costco auto buying program is because of that pristine brand. We're trying to save them from themselves. Exactly. A point we've tried to drive home again and again in discussions with Affinity, and this is the Costco auto buying program, is that they cannot have it both ways. They cannot profit from Costco's good name while simultaneously taking a hands-off approach when it comes to its dealers and bad behavior. Their position is neither honest nor defensible. Yesterday, we investigated Coral Springs Kia, an authorized Costco auto program dealership. We began with an online inquiry for a new 2018 Kia Optima EX. Agent X was our investigator. <clears throat> Speaking of the first person as if I were the shopper, I submitted my request on a new Optima and was referred to Coral Springs Kia. I received a confirmation email from the Costco Auto Program. It was the same email I've gotten from the last six dealers we shopped. It listed six salespeople who were approved to take care of me. The email also instructed me to ask for my member-only price sheet and to see the invoice, factory invoice, to confirm my special savings. Also, making another appearance was a promise to pay only 50% of the price for dealer installed items. That cracks me up. That's so nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You set your own price for dealer installed items. Uh, you set your price at 1000 and then you only charge 500 Oh, hey, let's set the price at 2000 and then we'll only charge 1000 right. Or, and I could go on and on. Before heading down, I called Coral Springs Kia on the phone to see if they could tell me my Costco price on the phone. Isn't that funny? We just had uh, uh, Glenn from St. Louis. Yeah, they wouldn't do it. Call, they wouldn't do it. Uh, I spoke to Monica on the phone. She set up an appointment for me at, oh, I'm somewhere. It's, you're right, for 7.30. Oh, yeah, 7.30, and said to ask for her. When I asked about telling me the price over the phone, she said she would email it to me, and I thanked her, and I said I'd see her at 7.30. Okay, and if you just tuned in, we had a call from a gentleman in St. Louis, Glenn, who had called the Costco a dealer and asked for the price of the phone, and they say Costco doesn't allow it. Well, that's not true. He called Costco, Glenn did, and Costco said, we allow it. It's the dealer that doesn't allow it. So here we asked for a price on the phone, and they said they'd email it to us, but they didn't do it. 
She did not send my Costco price. Instead, I was sent information and photos of four different Kia Optimus. The only pricing that accompanied these were the MSRPs, sticker price. <clears throat> I asked for Monica when I got to the dealership, or Monica. She came out to say hello and told me that she was not my salesperson. She was an appointment seller, setter. I reminded her that I was a Costco member and was supposed to get special pricing. She fetched Fabio for me. Fabio was not on the list of authorized Costco reps. Fabio put me through the sales process, information gathering, product presentation, demo ride, etc. He did a decent job and appeared to know his product and how to sell. It wasn't an unpleasant experience. I noted the MSRP was 26845 and the addendums $1,295 for, here we go, Nitrofil, Lifetime Car Washes, mm. <laughs> one oil change. First, oh. the first yeah. one. Yeah, $1,295, yeah, one oil change. And air. And air. <laughs> and shuttle service. Yeah. <laughs> okay. After the test drive, I told Fabio that I liked the car and I wanted to buy it. I said I was ready to see my special pricing. He left me at the desk with a spring in his step to get the numbers. Fabio returned with a worksheet. It showed the real MSRP with no addendum price added, interestingly, 26845 Below that was a discount, just discount, $4,000. That's a pretty big discount. My sale price was 22000 845. Then they added the typical $799 dock fee, $675.50 for tag and sales tax, and the out-the-door price was $26,082.13. I asked to see the member-only price sheet and the invoice. Fabio looked confused, and he said he didn't know I was a Costco buyer. Isn't that strange? We've been telling Monica we were Costco buyer. We asked Monica for the Costco price sheet. She said she was going to send it. Monica introduced us to Fabio. I told him I had explained this to Monica on the phone, and again, when I met her in the showroom, Fabio had to, you guessed it, the old game time, speak with the manager. Be right back. He returned with Arthur, the sales manager. Arthur said, I love this. I'll try to do the impersonation. Scott, man, I could have told you. <laughs> Try it again. Take two. <laughs> I can't do it. Scott, man, I could have made more money on the deal if I had known that you were a Costco member. The deal I gave you was $2,000 better than the Costco deal. <laughs> so this is the first. We've done this seven times. Now, now they're telling us that their price is $2,000 better than the Costco price. I didn't believe him. I asked if I looked naive. I said, Arthur, man, wait here. I'll show you. No, Arthur said, man. Arthur said, man. So, anyway, he and Fabio left for a few minutes and came back with some papers. One was a factory invoice. The other was a members-only price sheet that listed the models and the discounts below invoice. The pricing sheet showed a discount of $900 below invoice for the Optima EX. The invoice showed the correct MSRP of 26845 and an invoice price of 26464 Now, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. I'm keep I'm confusing myself. I know I'm confusing you, but the point I make is this is confusing to real buyers. It's confusing to real Costco members and fake buyers too. And, yeah, <laughs> fake buyers, uh, real buyers. Uh, Agent X was very confused. Exactly. <clears throat> I asked if I could get copies, and Arthur said they don't give these out. We don't give copies. 
We don't give out no stinking copies. Nope. I had my phone in my hand with a camera ready to go, and I snapped a couple. <laughs> and if you look at them, you can see that there were, it was in motion. They're kind of blurry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I whipped my camera out, and uh, Arthur gave me a disapproving but amused look. He says, look, man. Look at you, man. <laughs> right. He caught him. He saw him doing it. Yeah. This cat's got more moves than PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if the invoice and price sheet was authentic, Arthur was telling the truth. The Costco price would have been... 24564 before fees, and Fabio had given me a price of 22845 so, so, I mean, that shook up Agent X, me as the first, you know, I mean, that shook me up. I wasn't sure of how to proceed, and Arthur noticed this. He said, I don't look happy, and asked why. I told him I was confused why I was given a price so much lower than the Costco price. I told him I understood Costco promised a better price to its members than anyone else. Now, <clears throat> let me put on my dealer hat. I'm a Costco dealer, and I have a contract with Costco, and my contract with Costco says I must sell Costco members at a price lower than I will sell anybody else. That's my contractual obligation as a Costco dealer. Now, I'll put on my mystery shopping hat again. I've just been told by uh, this uh, Kia dealer in uh, Coconut Creek, Costco, approved certified Kia dealer that he's going to give me the car at a lower price than the Costco price but his contract says he can't do that so I just want to try to bring some sense to all these numbers I'm throwing at you. Uh, Arthur was cheerful. He said he was there to make deals and he was making and he wanted to make a deal today. He suggested that we get right into finance and finish up the deal. They always try to get you into finance. That's the smokiest room in the house. You go in the box. You go into the box. It's filled with smoke. Your eyes are watering. You can't read, and you're signed a bunch of papers. They always try to get you into finance. Smoky Joe's. Smoky Joe's. Metaphorical smoke, folks. I told them that I promised my wife we would go over everything tonight before finalizing the deal. Arthur picked up the phone on the desk and asked me for her phone number. <laughs> Ooh, he's slick. I mean, that is good. Well, this this happened before. We we actually had You're trained to do that. Yeah, we had a few years back. We actually had a, a salesman or manager that called Agent X's wife yeah. and, and talked to her on, on the phone. <laughs> Drove to the house. Yeah. So this is a this is high aggression when they insist on calling your wife or your husband when you say I got to go home and talk it over with my spouse. Oh, let me talk to your spouse. Yeah. Hey, do you think they'd want to? I'll close her. Do you do, do you think they'd want to talk to me? I doubt it. <laughs> they wouldn't know, but they would regret it. I told them she was working her shift. I look, see She's this agent X. Agent X thinks fast on his feet. I told her she was working her shift at the hospital. That's when they wanted to call oh, his no. wife, and uh, couldn't take the call. Mm. I asked for a buyer's order. Arthur said he traded me a credit app. For a buyer's order. <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make you a deal. He's always willing to. I love Arthur. I, me too. I love Arthur. A lot I mean, of tap dancing. Arthur. I want to buy a car from him. Yeah, you know, we almost did a sitcom at the car dealership that I own. We really, we almost did have realized they had an outside company coming and produce a sitcom. I would have wanted Arthur to be there yeah. as one of the play actors. Typical car salesperson, car, uh, car sales manager. So Arthur said he'd trade me a credit app for a buyer's order. I told him no. I was paying cash. He said all his business managers were busy, but he would email me a buyer's order the next day. I would have bet $100 he wouldn't have done that. We said our goodbyes, and I left. 
I checked my email the next morning. Arthur made good on his promise. That's amazing. He actually sent me a scan of a buyer's order. I would have lost my 100 bucks. Amazing. I looked it over. The first thing I noticed was my out-the-door price. It was $182 less than the price I got from Fabio on the worksheet. I know this is complicated. I've said that before. But stick with me and you'll understand. The selling price was different too. $26,614. About $200 less than Fabio's worksheet. Then came the fees. Okay. Dum, da, dum, dum. Look at $799 doc fee and $369 electronic filing fee. Another dealer fee. Mm-hmm. That's $1,168 in dealer fees. After taxes and fees were added up, they took off $4,000 as a factory rebate, which gave me an out-the-door price of $25,900. Sound great? Right? Arthur and Fabio hooked agent up with a deal that was $2,000 better than the Costco price. Sounds too good to be true, right? What's the problem? After intense head-scratching, our our shopper analyst, who's sitting next to me, Me. (laughs) figured it out. And it almost slipped by Stu. Yep. They lied about the Costco price. Exactly. The Kia Coconut Creek Dale. What's the real name? Coral Springs. Speechless. Coral Springs Kia. Coral Springs, yeah. Coral Springs Kia lied about the Costco price. Costco members are entitled to the special Costco discount below invoice. There was a manufacturer discount, and it should have been factored into the Costco price, but it was not. Arthur told Agent X the Costco price was $900 under invoice, but made no mention that there should have been another $4,000 taken off. Out and out blatant line. Yep. Remember the worksheet Fabio gave to Agent X? It showed a $4,000 discount. He didn't verbally convey that this was actually a rebate, not a dealer discount. See, a dealer discount <coughs> comes out of the dealer's pocket. A manufacturer's rebate comes out of the factory pocket. So it doesn't cost the dealer anything. So in reality, the great deal they presented was actually <laughs> MSRP. <laughs> right. Plus yep. dealer fees. So... Full boat, as the dealers like yeah, to say. Yeah, uh, slam dunk. <laughs> slam yeah. dunk. Slam dunk. So uh, this, uh, this um, Coral Springs Kia, Coral Springs Kia, which is down the Fort Lauderdale area, Coral Springs Kia, certified Costco dealer, lied about the discount and inflated the Costco price to make it look like their price was actually a better price. And they, and they showed them the documentation to prove it. Yeah. Look, 900 below. Yeah. The real Costco price should have been $900 below invoice with another $4,000 taken off after that. In other words, $20,564 before adding dealer fees. Agent X's price wasn't $2,000 lower than the Costco price. It was $2,000 higher. <laughs> so it's a, and they never presented the member-only price sheet, which is supposed to be. We asked for it, and they never inf- never showed the uh, invoice, which they're supposed to be, and they had a hidden dealer fee, $369. This is the worst we've seen, and the timing's perfect because we are meeting with the uh, Costco executives on Wednesday. Now, we checked True Car price. Yes, we did. <laughs> we've been recommending True Car auto buying program 
And we're loving them more and more. <laughs> we're loving them more and more. Because TrueCar does not allow the dealer to add dealer-installed accessories or dealer fees. The TrueCar price is the price you get. It's the out-the-door price plus government fees only. That's the reason we recommend the TrueCar price. Costco allows the dealer to put on the dealer fees and dealer-installed options or discount them. They're inconsistent on that. So here's the true car price. The best true car price we got of the 2018 Kia Optima, which is what we just shopped Costco for, was $19,896, including All fees everything everything. except government fees, including dealer fees. That's $3,886 less than the price we got on this mystery shop. $3,886. Now, I have a little, I'm suffering from cognitive dissonance here because that great true car price is from Napleton, North Lake Kia. Probably <laughs> 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 right, my head's spinning. I don't know what to, I don't know what to think. <laughs> we need to do a the world. The world makes no shape, <laughs> make, makes no sense anymore. We need to do a quickie shop on that. To verify that true car that yeah. uh, the Napleton. If for you new listeners uh, to True Oldies and Rules Turn on Cars, Napleton is on our do not buy, do not, do not buy, please do not buy list. And uh, speaking Don't of go the, near the dealership. And speaking of the list, we need to do a quick vote. Yes. I know the answer, but we got to do it. Uh, we'll start with Stu. F on and on every conceivable category. Nancy. Uh, they they should be taken uh, out out behind the barn. Horsewhipped. Okay, I'm not. Gonna, we we're out of time, so I I won't elaborate any uh, any more on that. F. Rick. Fail. Yeah, all the way around. If there was an F minus, we put. Uh, okay, that was our uh, mystery shop from uh, Coral Springs Kia, and uh, we uh, we uh, are out of time to all the uh, callers. Uh, that uh, we didn't get to. We do apologize. And uh, we thank you for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars right here at the True Oldies Channel, 95.9 and 106.9 FM. Have a great weekend, everyone.